Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Troy Ferguson. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing today? You glad to be here? Even after Pastor John said, Pastor Jim's not here? <laughs> I, uh, when I was up on stage trying to deal with some issues, I was scoping out who was here. So if, uh, if uh, you left after he said that, I was going to take note. I figured Pastor Jim always has really cool shirts, so I had to do something, you know, a little mesmerizing with my shirt today and probably causing all kind of havoc with the cameras. Ah, God is good, isn't he? Amen, amen. Well, what we're going to do today, um, we're going to go through, uh, obviously, some scriptures and God put on my heart a, a message, and we're going to just start right off the bat with the scripture uh, as a foundation. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For man, for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now what I want to do today is I want to look at an emphasis on one section here. Verse 9, And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today. For the opportunity to, to grow and learn as we hear your, your word brought forth. And Lord, just help me deliver this effectively for your purposes, not for my purposes or my agenda, but for your purposes. And Lord, we just give this time to you. We thank you for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the title of my message is In Due Time. In due time. Now, let me just start off right away. Those of you that might follow me on, on social media, you probably saw a graphic that looked like this on my Facebook page when I asked the question, what does in due time mean to you? And I find it fascinating whenever I ask questions on, on Facebook or, or whatever, um, the variety of answers that you get. Some are biblically based, some are opinion based, some are just kind of out in left field. And that's just the wonderful... Um, variety that we have as a church and, and I have as, in my friendships. Um, so the question is, in due time, what does that mean to you? Time is quite interesting. We all have the same time, but we say um, in reference to time that we don't have enough of it. Have you ever said that? I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to do that. You ask the question, I don't have enough time. But we all are given the same amount of time. So here's a couple things that I want to get into um, concerning the concept of time. And as we grow up, we have different understandings of time. An infant, for example, understands one aspect of time, and that is now. I'm hungry now. I need changed now. I want this, I want that now. So as an infant, their concept of time is very, very narrow, and it is now. Now, as you get a little older, a toddler understands today. This is happening today. Later today, we're doing this. And they may, they may not be as, as, 
as specific as now, but they do understand that it's going to happen during the time that I'm awake. It's going to happen today. As you get a little older, still younger child, understand before and after. Before and after. For example, we're going to uh, get ice cream after dinner. We're going to go to grandma's after dinner, after lunch. So the, the, as you get a little older, you start to understand before, before we go to grandma's, we need to eat lunch. Before you can have a cookie, you need to have dinner. So the concept begins to develop a little bit further. And then the next one is, um, as a, a little bit older child, still a child, they understand yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So it may not just be uh, what is going on today, but they, they begin to understand, okay, this happened yesterday, and that's going to happen tomorrow. I'll give you an example. Uh, my, my youngest son, and I actually did this with my oldest son, uh, on Saturday mornings we developed this tradition that we go to breakfast at McDonald's. And it's something that, that uh, both my boys looked forward to. Jackson used to look forward. Now, he's 14. He, he doesn't, you know, doesn't want to get up and get out of bed for breakfast on Saturday morning. Um, he's a teenager. Anybody with teenagers, you understand, they're not going to get up and go to breakfast. But Parker, he enjoys it. Matter of fact, he, he not only does breakfast with me when he spends the night over at his Pappy Rick's and Gigi's house, they take him to breakfast at McDonald's too. That's something that he gets to do and experience. And so um, this week, we had talked about, around Friday, Thursday, Friday, we had talked about, I'll be home Saturday, and I'll be home Saturday morning. His expectation is, we're going to go to breakfast Saturday morning. So we did. And I want to capture a little bit of, you know, what that looks like for us. As you can see, it's just him and I. Jackson was, you know, not interested, and Kelly was still sleeping. Um, But you get, you get the understanding that he, even at four years old, he understands tomorrow when I wake up, I get to go to breakfast with dad. So the concept of time, we develop different mentalities. After this age range, after, at this point, we start to understand a little bit deeper. We understand with, oh, hey, Parker, you're, you're on screen. He just walked in. He's like, what in the world, dad? So after this, we start, when we start to be able to tell time, we actually get more specific. Uh, but the concept of time uh, begins to develop, and we have a, a better understanding of, of morning, afternoon, evening, tomorrow night, this weekend. Matter of fact, I'm sure some of you in, the, in, you know, in the middle of the week, you talk to your family and your kids about the joy and excitement that you can't wait until Sunday morning comes when we get together again in church. How many of you have that conversation? Don't lie. Come on. But the, the concept of time is, is something very interesting. So, have you ever had, speaking of uh, looking at time, have you ever had a situation where you have an amount of time to accomplish something, um, but for some reason, in the last hour, you may have had an entire day to accomplish something. This can be at work. This can be at home. You may have had an entire weekend to do something before Monday. Uh, but for whatever reason, we look at, I have all this time. And then, then at the last hour, like, man, I better get on this. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody? Okay. I'll never forget 
there are times that my wife, she might be shopping or, or, or doing something, and, and uh, Jackson and I or will say, well, we'll take care of this. We'll clean this up. We'll do this or something while you're away. I know she's going to be away about four or five hours, and, and it wouldn't take nearly that long to do whatever we need to do. But I tell you, I kid you not, it's in, it's in within the last half hour that we start it. And those are moments that I pray that she might be a little late that day. So, one thing that's interesting is there's a study in the Journal of Social Psychology that says, in today's culture, people prefer more time over money. People prefer more time over money. Now, a lot of people say, well, money I could do this, and more money I could do that. But the reality of it is, what we are, are most in need of is, is a little more time. We were getting ready this morning, we were have all kind of technical issues, and it was about a quarter till 10. Lindsay, in, the, in, in my office, we are praying. She says, is there anything that I can do for you? Because she knew we were having some problems. I said, I need about an hour. Well, we can't do that. You can't give time. You can't change time. We all have the same time. So we prefer time over money. Some of you are thinking, not me. I'd rather have more money. But in the reality of it is, if you really start to look at things, even if you get more money, even if you get a raise, even if you get this, there always comes a time that that, that is still not enough because of the busyness, because of our schedules, because of this and that. So I want to go back to the scripture that we are looking at here. The first part of the scripture says this, and let us not lose heart in doing good. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Other translations say, let us not become weary, not become tired, not lose courage in doing good or being good. Have you ever become weary in doing the right thing? Have you ever looked at people and say, you know what? Every time I come into a situation, I do what's right. I, I, I believe God has, has called us to be men and women of, of character and honor, so I do what's right. But I see all these other people doing whatever they want, they're being selfish, they're, they're being degrading, they're doing all this other stuff, but I, I'm doing the right thing, and, and you get weary with it, you get tired, like, I get frustrated, you, you say, I get frustrated seeing how everyone else just does what they want, but they're still getting what they want to get. And here, here we are, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, being good, as the scripture indicates, but the Bible tells us right off the bat here, let us not lose heart. Let us not become weary in doing good, in being good. What does that mean, doing good? Being, the, the, the concept here is, is about how we treat people, how we are with one another. There's a variety of places that we can take this, but in, in, its, in its truest, purest form, it's being good to one another. So just ask yourself the question, am I tired of being good? Am I, do I get tired or weary of doing the right thing, saying the right thing. Well, now we need to look at what's next. This is the main section of this, this message. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time. In due time. I want to spend a few minutes here. We've established a few things earlier about time, so let's take this a step further. 
Have you ever heard someone say, time will tell? Time will tell. When we see someone doing something good, or they have good potential, great potential, someone who's not involved or not connected to, to them, and they'll say, well, we'll see where this goes. Time will tell. You know, you say, well, you know, little Sally sang this song at church at five years old. She was amazing. She's going to be on American Idol. And then from someone who's disconnected from that, we'll say things like, time will tell. Little Joey can read at age four. And mom says, he's going to be a genius. Time will tell. That's typically a non-parent's response Time will tell. If it was just a matter of time, that might be true. But in most cases in life, time in of itself doesn't tell much. As a matter of fact, the scripture would be written differently if it just was a matter of time. It would say, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in time we shall reap. If it was just a matter of waiting for a a certain amount of time, then... uh, Things can happen and we don't have to do anything about it or, 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 or go about changing anything in our life. We'll just wait. Because at some point, it's going to happen. If it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. That's one of the responses that I got on Facebook. In due time means if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Nothing I can do or not do to change that. It will be what it will be. But if we look at this scripture, in due time, the word due is actually very significant. Very significant. The word due here in the Greek is idios, pertaining to oneself, one's own, deserving or belonging to oneself. For example, after you've worked for a week or two weeks, you are due a paycheck. If you have a mortgage on your house, Once a month, the house payment is due to the bank. Due is significant here. So when we see in due time, it's not just a matter of just waiting for whatever whatever we have to wait for, but due has something to understand with. There's a value to it. It is something of ownership. There's a misconception that just waiting patiently, things will happen. There are elements to patience in which this is accurate, but in this scripture it is not. This tells us, don't stop doing good things for in due time, but it's actually in deserving amount of time. This was a time approximately, I'm going to tell you about a story. There was a time approximately seven years ago that my son Jackson uh, was taking guitar lessons. And in his guitar lessons, um, I actually pulled him up and put him on stage. And he was playing, and he was just, just young, about seven years old. And there was even one time that I had him start with a guitar and vocally start a song. So he was at seven years old developing a skill that was just amazing. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at it. This is the new sound coming from the underground. This is 
How many of you were around for that? How many remember that? You see, at that time, people would come up to me and say things like, he's going to take your job. He is so talented, a young man playing guitar in the worship band at seven years old. Wonderful. Looking forward to the, the many things that he would do in that, with that skill. Well, can I tell you that Jackson didn't uh, have a love for guitar, so he stopped practicing and playing and developing. So at seven years old, even though he looked like it was going to be something that was going to be amazing, and people could say, he's going to be a worship leader, he's going to be a minister by the time he's a teenager, and this and that. And someone who's disconnected could say, well, time will tell. In this situation, time told us that he did not work on it, he did not do anything with it, therefore it didn't develop, it didn't enhance. So those of you that, that see something in you or your child and say they got some raw talent, we'll just see what happens. Let me just challenge you from someone that, that I've seen in teaching music and, and things over the years, that whatever it is that they have as, even as a raw natural talent, it still needs to be developed, it still needs to be molded, it still needs to be stretched and grown. So don't just sit back and say, well, we'll just see what happens. They're going to be on American Idol, or they're going to get a call from The Voice, or they're going to, you know. There are things that still need to take place. In, in Jackson's case, and listen, I often use Jackson as good examples, and, uh, and, and what he has done in baseball and travel and all that kind of stuff is, is amazing, and I, I love watching him play. But in music was something that he just didn't develop. Nothing wrong with that. It's just what he did or what he didn't do. In a similar story, um, my nephew, my nephew's name is Tyler, and I remember when he was about that same age, around fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, I remember watching him play basketball, and people would say, well, this kid's got some natural talent, this kid's a good little ball player. And at that time, he was a good ball player, there's no question. Matter of fact, here's a picture of Tyler. This is a, a, a little competition, a little three-on-three -three competition, even though they had four players. Um, the, the game was, I believe, a three-on-three -three competition that they had, and, and they won their division for their age group. And when Tyler was in grade school, um, he was very good. Matter of fact, on his team, he was probably the star on his team. But you realize at that age, he was one of about 150 kids that were in the, the Altoona School District elementary basketball program. One of about 150. So for, for parents to say things like, he's going to be a star when he gets older. He's going he's to play for Altoona, and he's going to do this. And do you realize the percentage of the opportunities for him being a starter for Altoona at that point is just a little over 3% chance? So when you look at someone and say, oh, man, they got such raw talent, and eventually they're going to be a star on this team. They're going to get scholarships, and they're going to do this and that. Well, Tyler enjoyed basketball. His dad enjoyed basketball. His pap enjoyed basketball. And I will tell you this. Since he started playing, he worked very, very hard. Weekly, daily even. In, in the aspects of, of his, his physical condition, in the aspects of his talent, in the aspects of his skills. Even though he was one of about 150 kids at that 
fifth, sixth grade level. As he grew, he continued to work hard. He continued to grow. And I want to show you a couple pictures from this past Friday night. He is one of the starters, one of the five starters for the Altoona High School basketball team right now. Now, why do I use this example? The difference is both of them had the same amount of time to develop something. One did very little with it. The other worked very, very hard. So you say, Troy, what does that have to do with this whole message? It leads us to the next part of the scripture in the reward. The next part of the scripture says, we shall reap. Remember it says, in due time, we shall reap. In due time. Due, if something is due you, it's because something that you have ownership of, you have done something to purchase it, you have done something to work for it. So whenever, whenever Tyler worked very, very hard on his basketball skills, there was a time that came that the Altoona team had tryouts. Because of the work that he's put in, he now has the ability to be a player on that team, and not only a player on the team, but be a starter on the team. So in due time, isn't just a matter of a length of time that we wait, but it's, it's an amount of time in which that we work for, that we do something with. That's why it says at the beginning of the scripture, do not grow weary in doing good, being good. For in due time, you will reap. In due time, you will have a reward. The do is about the, the input that we put into this. Now, are you saying, am I, am, am I saying that everything has to do with what we do? Absolutely not. God, God goes to battle on our behalf. Jesus is, is our intercessor on our behalf. But let me just say that whenever Jesus goes to battle, and in, in the realm of spiritual warfare, when there's, when there's angels um, battling for our, our benefit, for our souls, that doesn't mean we just sit back and wait and do nothing. It doesn't mean we just sit back and, and don't change anything. There is an aspect of what we need to do, and in this scripture, it's simply starting with being good, doing good. This says, we shall reap. Remember, we reap what's due, which is based on doing good. This doesn't mean that we're perfect. This doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. But what it means is that our standard should be doing good. Our foundation should be doing good. This scripture is uh, from the Apostle Paul in this, when he taught us. But this concept isn't something that's brand new in the Bible. We look at the, the story of David. David was anointed king when he was about 14, 15 years old. He was commissioned as king at 30, roughly. Joseph, in the Old Testament, had a dream of ruling over many, including his brothers. That was around 16, 17 years old. That was fulfilled 22 years later. Now, in both these cases, we know, we know that the story of, of, of David, we know the story of Joseph, they didn't just wait for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. They didn't just wait and do nothing. We know that these were men that were men of character, men of God, men of honor, that do, did things that were right in the sight of God. 
how they treated people, how they, how they responded to situations were, were good. So whenever that opportunity came for the fulfillment of that, as they continued to do what was right, they saw the ability to step into that fulfillment. We can even look at Jesus. Jesus at the age of 12 was in the temple. And it tells us that um, there was a time that Mary and, and, and his parents, Mary and Joseph, had left and they thought Jesus was with their crowd and they realized he, he was no longer with them. They went back and said, Jesus, what are you doing? And he says, don't you know I need to be in my, my father's temple, doing my father's work. So even at the age of 12, he understood the, the, the concept of what was uh, the calling on his life. And he was working that. He was teaching. Matter of fact, they, they even said in the temple they were so impressed at this 12-year-old's knowledge and understanding. But we know that Jesus' fulfillment didn't really happen until he was about 30 years old. But I promise you, even though we don't see this detail in and detail out in Scripture, I promise you what he did in between was doing good. Because he didn't do any bad. So he was doing good. We see the fulfillment. Matter of fact, we even, we even see a moment where his mother comes to him and says that this party is, is, is going awry. Will you do something? This is the, 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 the first miracle that we are told in the, in the Bible about Jesus turning water into wine. And, and his mom says, can you do something? He responds to, my time has not yet come. My time is not here yet. Now, he did respond and he do, did do something, but that shows you around the age of 30, he wasn't even released into what God had called him to do. But at 12, he had an understanding as a starting point. Why do I show these, these little examples? For you and me in our life, there might be something that early in your, in your career, or maybe even as a child, you have something that you have birthed in you, a desire in you to do something, to change something, to see something, and, and you don't see it come about in the time that you want. That is something that everyone, I believe, everyone deals with. Let me ask you this. Is there anybody here that says every time that you seek something, you get it in the time that you want? Is there anybody that has ever experienced that? Okay. So all of us have experienced a, a level of waiting and, and trusting on God's timing. But in that, that doesn't mean that we just sit back and become apathetic and do nothing. You know, a lot of scriptures we read about, it's about sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Uh, even though this scripture does talk about reaping, the really, the, the crux of it is a little bit of sowing and waiting. We don't like that. Sowing and waiting. Because we want it, and I want it now. I don't know, I'll just speak for myself. I am of the, the culture and the technology that I want something, I want it right here, right now. I want to push a button, I want it right here. When I'm working on something on the computer and it's, it's taking longer than it should, I get frustrated. Not as frustrated as Pastor Jim, but I do get frustrated. Because we all want something, we all have a, an urgency to whatever it is, including what we're called to do. If we're called to do something and, and God has spoken to your life or even spoken prophetically over you, said this will happen in your life. Well, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks pass and we're like, man, God, come on. Sometimes he's doing something in us 
in that process to see how we are in our obedience, in our response, in our goodness to others. I believe that success happens when you have preparedness and meets opportunity. Victory occurs when you're prepared in something, and then when the opportunity arises, you can put those two together and be successful at whatever that might be. That can be in, in sports, that can be in music, that can be in your job, whatever it is. I promise you, preparedness and working is something that is significant. Going back to the story of Jackson and Tyler, these are young men who enjoy sports. And all year round, they're putting in effort and time to make their bodies and their skills increase so they can perform at the best opportunity when the game time comes. Earlier we sang the song Waymaker. This song coincides with this message so well. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Let me just reiterate something I said earlier. Even though he's working, that doesn't mean that we're not working. That doesn't mean that we're not doing what is right. That doesn't mean that we're not being obedient. So this scripture, very, very excitingly, has, has showed us do not lose heart in doing good, for in, the, in, in due time we shall reap. Wonderful. Wonderful. But there's one more element to this. If we do not grow weary, if we do not quit. Paul releases this promise of doing good, sowing and reaping, but it's bookended with not growing weary, not giving up, not quitting. The beginning says, do not lose heart, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. He actually started it with the weariness of, of just the way people can be. He closes it with, but do not quit. Do not let yourself grow weary. Not quitting means continuing to do good. Not quitting means doing something different than we did before. Too often this scripture is looked at as if we just wait, as I mentioned earlier. If we just wait, it will happen. In due time. If it's supposed to happen, it will. I even had someone say, if it's not supposed to happen, it won't. But can I just tell you that if God's put something on your heart and you just wait and do nothing with it, and it doesn't happen, that doesn't necessarily mean that God didn't intend that to come about. About four years ago, five years ago, this wasn't, I wasn't planning on saying this, but about four or five years ago, God put on my heart some things about movies and media. And, and you know this, and I use this way too much in sermons, I know, but it's something that, that's put on my heart. Four or five years ago, when God first put that on my heart, if I just said, okay, God, whenever, the, whenever it comes, it comes. Whenever the opportunity arises, when Hollywood calls, you know, here I go. 
Can I tell you, if I would have done that, nothing in the realm of what we're doing now with join the city and all that kind of stuff would have ever been accomplished. Is it about what I do? No. But it's about God planting a seed in me and then me saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do to start this journey? So I started learning. I started growing. Not understanding anything about cameras, not understanding anything about video and movies and films and all that kind of stuff. Because matter of fact, it's one of those things like, God, are you sure you, uh, you, you got the right person with this calling? Because I have no understanding of this to the degree that is needed. Am I where I want to be? Am I finished? Absolutely not. But still on the journey, still learning, still growing. And I tell people different times about dreaming. Every day, make sure you do something every day to push your dream just a step further. It doesn't mean that you gotta do these big projects and all these big accomplishments, but something that you're learning, something that you're growing, something that you're developing every single day. I talked about not quitting, and that's kind of some of the things that God's put on my heart to wrap this up. I'll ask the worship team to come up. If we do not grow weary, if we do not quit, in due time, in his time, in time that is due us for the amount of effort and prayer and thought and training that we have put in. Too many times we look at, I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing and it will change. The reality of it is in life that just, that just doesn't work that way. If we want something different, we gotta do something different. Albert Einstein said this, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I felt the insanity and insanity word worked well with that picture. Insanity means doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. In the kingdom of God, we pray for God to move in this city. We pray for God to move in our families. We pray for God to move in our churches, in our jobs. But let me ask you this. Are you doing anything different than you did 10 years ago in that realm? Are you doing anything different in your family, in your, in your job, different than you did five years ago? If you are not, why do you think something different will happen? Let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. I love how Paul reminds us that weariness is something that happens. Weariness is expected. When you start doing something, it's easy, you know, at the beginning of the year, everybody has New Year's resolutions, everybody has goals. But typically around this time, we start to fall off. You know, we're 12 days into the new year. And we might have had January 1st, I was gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. This year is gonna be different. But right around this time, we start to say, you know what? I'm back to the same habits I was. Why is that? Because we didn't do anything to change them whether it's physical fitness, 
whether it's our health, whether it's our eating, whether it's our job, whether it's our education, whatever it is, a lot of times the reason that those things don't get fulfilled is because we've done nothing to change our habits that we had in 2019 and 2018 and 2017. But for some reason, this year is going to be different. Why? Let's do something different. Let's be someone different. What's that mean? Be someone different. Be good. Does that mean that you'll always get it right? No. I don't. But my standard, my foundation of which I always try to strive to is I'm going to be good, I'm going to do good to one another, to, to my family. And when we screw it up, we repent. When we, when we don't get it right, we apologize. But don't be weary. Don't quit doing good. For at the right time, in God's time, time that is due, you and I, we will reap a harvest. In due time. Let me just add this one thought. We also need to be okay with sowing today and the reaping takes place by someone else. Because the reality of it is, come on church, we are reaping things today that someone else sown before us. So don't think that all your sowing will be reaping by you. We reap the benefits of what men and women of God has done in this community, in this church, for many, many years, for many decades. We're reaping those benefits today. So as we reap those benefits, we don't just sit back and just look and watch and say, thank you, Lord, you're such a good God. Even though that's true, even in the times of reaping, we still need to be planting. We still need to be, still need to be sowing. It's a constant cycle. And my prayer is that things that we sow today, we will see a community and a church impacted for the kingdom of God in such a way that we may never have any uh, connection with. But it's biblical. Do good. Be good. So as you leave today, I pray that we recognize that he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. But he's doing things He's doing miracles. He's making a way in and through you at times. Sometimes it's through someone else and we are the benefit and sometimes he's using us to minister to someone else. Let us not be weary in doing good for at the right time, in due time, we will reap if we don't quit. Let's pray. Father, We love you today. We thank you for your goodness and your love and your grace, your mercy, because we screw up. (laughs) And you are always there to pick us back up. We trip, we fall, and you tell us, get up, dust yourself off, let's keep going. Father, I pray today that there are people here that that are 
contemplating situations and say, I've been waiting so long. They just want to give up. They just want to quit. Lord, I pray today by the power of your spirit that you create a reinvigoration of desire, of heart in each individual in this place that's battling with quitting. Maybe quitting their job. Quitting their, their, their New Year's or goals. There might even be people here saying, I'm going to quit my marriage. It's just not working out. It's just not happening. Lord, I pray that as we understand the concept of being and doing good, that we will reap that benefit of blessings and a harvest if we don't quit. I pray, Father God, that people who are thinking and considering quitting today, that it's changed now. By your Spirit, it's changed now. Transformation is taking place now. And you are putting in hearts this morning a desire to see your kingdom come, your purpose is done in us and through us in a variety of situations. Families, jobs, schools, churches, whatever it is, Lord. I feel you just telling us to be encouraged to not quit. For you indeed are the way maker, the miracle worker. You never stop working. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't experience it, whenever I don't see the end result, whenever I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're still working. You're still working. 